his name is Sylvester Stallone. He's the star of a new film called Rocky. He has been described as handsome, tough, talented, sexy, sensitive, dynamic, and brilliant. He's been compared to Brando, Newman, Pacino, and De Niro. He's been called a top contender for an Academy Award. Sylvester Stallone in Rocky, rated PG. Doing. We are back together again. I am Double G alongside Doing. We did the Fabulous Four podcast many moons ago. That is out there on our YouTube channel for anybody who wants to listen to that. But we are back with a new project going over all of the eight films in the Rocky saga, starting with film one, which we will talk about here in this episode. This episode is called uh, Going the Distance. Uh, that That is the theme of the episode. But before we dig into this project, and we, we can give a little bit of an introduction on why we decided to do it. How are you doing? It's been a, it's been a little while since we've uh, talked, and, and that, that project, The Fabulous Four, seems like it was like so many years ago now. Yeah, like it, 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 a lot's gone on since then. But, you know, this is quite a different project from what we've done previously. What we do have always done on this site in the past has always been very uh, sports focused. And, you know, this is more of going to be like a film club project. Um, you know, and while these films are influenced by the sport of boxing, you know, I think also over the years, over recent years, they've played a big part in influencing the sport of bo- bo- boxing a lot too. Um, you know, in 2010, Sylvester Stallone was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame for creating the Rocky character. And, you know, that was kind of, there was mixed views on that as there always is when you induct an actor into sports hall of fame. But for me, when you really look at the goodwill and influence these films have had on the boxing world, it's like a no-brainer. Um he it absolutely belongs there you know you think of how many boxers and fans were brought into the sport because of these films you think of how many uh, fights have been built around the rocky story and you know every time a new film in this series comes out there's just that little bit of extra interest in the bo- boxing world than there was previously and you know that all of course started with the film we're going to talk about now which is uh, the original 1976 Rocky and you know in some ways this is a totally different film than all the ones that would f- follow in the series i think it's a lot more low key in a lot of ways but when you think about the Rocky films you think about certain key scenes you think about um the training montage you think about the music you think about running the steps you think about the special way they do the fights that can only be it can only be done in rocky and you know all of those all of that starts with this absolutely and you know what you said about stallone's influence with this series is you know how many how many boxing fans were created because of this movie and who then had an interest in the sport afterwards. Now, 
Stallone himself has a great knowledge of boxing history. Like he can name all of these old fighters and where he took things from. And, you know, his idea for the character of Rocky, I'm sure the name comes from Rocky Marciano, right? So just his his own historic take on the sport is uh, he's, he's very knowledgeable. Now, add to the influence and yeah, you know, the, if there is a celebrity wing of, of the Boxing Hall of Fame or something or, you know, however they they uh, decided to, to add him, you know, he, he's very much deserving because of the influence. And, you know, going through eight eight films, which we will talk about, plus an epilogue uh, to, to end our series, uh, it, you know, you, there's so much, you know, he's he's adding fighters. He uses actual fighters in in his movies uh you know for this one there's there's the joe frazier cameo who... um, and also uh just to ch- chime in there uh the person who was initially going to play apollo creed was of course um K- kenny norton one of muhammad ali's great 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 opponents i think norton had other plans and you know he didn't end up going ahead and i think also frazier may have been um you know, tried out for that role as well uh, uh, before he landed in his kind of cameo role that he had. So, you know, there has been a tie to the b- boxing world right from the beginning uh, t- t- to the, m- the most recent films. Okay, so why are we doing this? Uh, I had this idea about two years ago. This was actually before the second Creed came out. And I wanted to do podcasts about all of the first seven films as kind of a way to, um, you know, just get excited for Creed 2. Didn't happen. I, I, I didn't have the, uh, the, 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 the time that I thought I needed to do it. And so I kind of put it on the back burner. And uh, our, our buddy, uh, Big D, he was kind of interested in doing it. And we, we were kind of trying to figure out how we could tie up our schedules. And I was like, you know, it's just not going to work. Um, I was really bummed out. But during this interesting time that we are living in, uh, currently with the uh, pandemic situation, I thought, look, you know, we ha- we might have actually a little bit more time to do this. And so then I asked you uh, if you would like to do another project. You were down. This is something that is very uh, near and dear to our hearts. And so that that's why it, it is a good time to put this out. So uh, I hope that uh, people enjoy the project. These are these are going to be pretty in-depth stuff. But look, you know, the like you said, our, our our normal way of doing podcasts is a little bit differently. So we're going to there's going to be some structure and, and some order in these. We will take you through categories. Now there are tons of movie podcasts that do this. So I'm not reinventing the wheel in any way. I am probably uh, taking a little bit of of influence from something like uh, Bill Simmons's uh, recap or rewatchables podcast, which I enjoy. And um, look, you know, this is going to be fun. Uh, in some instances, there will be some serious stuff. But, you know, we're, we are just fans of this franchise and we are going to dig deep into the movies uh, one through eight, including the Creed films. And so this is the first one. Rocky going the distance. OK, so uh, our first category or our first subject to, uh, of the show is going to be to break down the general story of the movies. Some of the stories uh, are, are, are fairly simplistic. Um, some of them are a little bit nonsensical. But for this one, like you said, the original, 
Um, it is uh, it, it is it is sort of a simple story, but there are so many layers to the story. And I know Stallone himself doesn't consider it to be necessarily biographical, but there are tons of things with the character that relate very much to where he was in his life at this time. And we'll dig through that a little bit later as we go through sort of like a facts, uh, uh, you know, a research, uh, researching old facts on the internet kind of a segment. But uh, so here's the story. Everyone knows, you know, most people know this story. You have a classic underdog. He's a leg breaker for a lone shark named Gazzo. He fights on the side because A, I think he feels that he's pretty good at it. And B, it also makes him some money as well. And uh, throughout the, the, the early part of the movie, it looks like his fight career is, uh, you know, he's sort of uh, just a, a weekend fighter. So like if, if you're a sports person, if you like to play sports, you know, the weekend warrior. And uh, he, is, he goes to his gym, uh, Mickey's gym and his locker has been taken by an up and coming prospect named Dipper. He's had this locker for six years, very frustrated. Mick, when he asks him, Mick basically said that, you know, you could have been something and, and, you know, instead you decided to, to break legs for a loan shark. And so on the other side, there's a, there's another, there's a side story, which is, uh, him, trying to date one of his friends, Paulie's uh, sister, Adrian. And so he is constantly going to her job, her pet shop, and he is trying to charm her very unsuccessfully because she is very shy and they both they both are, are, are an odd pairing. Um, but eventually he talks Polly into uh, hooking him up with his sister, which is a, a very memorable scene in which uh, they have Thanksgiving dinner, and Polly does not tell Adrian that Rocky is coming, so it makes it very uncomfortable for both parties. Uh, but they end up going out on a date, they get together, and all of a sudden, Apollo Creed, the heavyweight champion of the world, who is set to fight Mac Lee Green on January 1st, 1976 his opponent mac lee is is hurt and so they only have you know maybe six weeks to find a replacement and instead of looking for contenders as some of those contenders uh, are also out of it uh miles jurgens the promoter and apollo are, are looking through a book of local philadelphia fighters and apollo picks out the name the Italian stallion, Rocky Balboa. His, his trainer, Tony, uh, a.k.a. Duke, looks at the name and says, look, he's Southpaw. We don't, want, we don't mess with Southpaws. And Creed's like, no, nope, don't worry. I'll drop him in three. So Apollo's looking from the marketing aspect of fighting a Caucasian male, a local Philadelphia fighter, this great charity that Apollo is giving this, this unknown person, a one in a million shot. And he is giving this guy an opportunity to fight for the title. So obviously he's not taking it seriously because he has to now market a fight that is on paper, a, you know, a, a pro wrestling jobber match in a sense. And so on the flip side, Rocky now has 
the opportunity, which he does not understand how to kind of uh, really, really take care of. He doesn't have a manager. He is uh, he doesn't have a training regimen. He's never done this for real. And eventually he has to be okay with Mick, who he was very frustrated with, to train him and and to manage him. And so then come the fight, the the morning of the fight, he's very positive. He and Adrian are now living together. And he comes to this realization that he cannot win. And you would think, well, you know, you probably should have come to that realization earlier. But part of the whole process for him is, you know, what is driving him is he finally has some people in his corner. Things are finally turning over for him in a positive way. And that is driving him to to be his best. But at the end of the day, he's like, look, like I am nowhere in this guy's league. I'm not in his class. But if I can go the distance and if I can stand with this guy for 15 rounds, then I can prove to myself that I'm not a bum, that I'm actually somebody. So the metaphor of you know, proving what he needed to prove to himself, I think just plays with everybody. And then we get the final, the final fight, which is the climax. And, and, and we'll talk about that. Is there anything in that summary that I missed that you wanted to add? Yeah, well, I think, you know, what I think they do such a good job of in this film is, as you said, you know, the film opens cold with Rocky at, at this kind of low level club fight. And you instantly from that from that scene you can kind of tell like this is a million miles away from stardom you know it's not like this is not tv boxing it's a it's a low level rough fight you know you see afterwards he get he gets paid like 40 bucks for for the night's work or something like that you see he's not li- uh, like living the life he's drinking he's smoking he's he's not a hundred percent dedicated to the sport he doesn't and, even know, have food in his refrigerator <laughs> yeah and you're kind of like they just give you that instant snapshot and then they they they, they just throughout the story they kind of fill in the little gaps around it by while they're just telling their story you learn when you know he's talking to Paulie that he's you know he's 30 years old he's not he's not a young kid on the rise anymore you you see, you see at the gym like he's lost his locker they've given it to you know another open up and coming prospect then you kind of hear in his blow up with Mickey like part of the reason you know, Mickey's frustrated with him. It's because he's not li- living the, the, the living on the right right path. And you know, he he, he is hanging out with you know the, the wrong sort of crowd, and he's not dedicating himself to sport. And then, kind of, when he goes out with Adrian, he's telling her about being a southpaw and about how people find southpaws difficult. And you know, that's why he never really felt he felt he never really got a shot. And that's ultimately what the story boils down to it's about like you know him getting that one opportunity and you know i just think they did a very good job of filling you in on the backstory of this character while telling the story they wanted to tell you know that goes right up to the final scene or to right up till he's you know going for, for that walking to the ring for that fight with apollo you know you hear for the first time his record there and you hear that he has 20 losses and you know when you hear a boxer with 20 losses you know he's in the opposing corner and he's already said you know to adrian that he doesn't believe he can he can win this fight. You know he's there to make up the numbers, but he, he you know in his view, you know he, if he can make the distance with the champion, you know that that will prove something. So you know that's kind of all, all of what this, this this film is about. And you know I think they just did a brilliant job telling that story. 
I hope you're enjoying the Rocky Podcast, episode one, Going the Distance. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Justin Nipper, who did our theme song, as well as our new ad music. And speaking of ads, let's talk about Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you ever need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And now we finish off the rest of episode one of the Rocky podcast. Okay, so let's go through some of the scenes that I think stand out. Some of my favorite scenes. And if you have some to add, uh, definitely we'll save those for the end. And then we'll kind of pick what what you think and what I think is the best scene in the movie. Um, so I'll kind of go in order uh, of the film. Um, but the, the the beginning of the film is is classically slow and and i think part of the reason there, there's a ton of setting right you need to set the 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 place the time the situation uh i think today you wouldn't make a movie this slow because you know the audience of today would would get probably pretty bored so there would be a, a, a lot more tighter editing but in this you know in 1976 uh, this is sort of a classic way to uh, to to utilize time, where the first half of the movie is a little bit slow. The second, it's but it sets up a second half of the film that just goes by like a blink of an eye. So most of my favorite films are, are probably or my favorite scenes are probably more towards the second half of of the film, but. You know, if 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 some of yours are in the beginning, totally fine. I I think the ones that just have always grabbed me in my thirty five times of watching this movie were were sort of uh, after the middle. So my first scene is uh, so Rocky has already accepted the fight, and he is uh, at the what I assume to be a press conference, but it looks like it's hosted by the Pennsylvania athletic commission and apollo is in all of his bravado he is the star of this press conference rocky's kind of in the background and the announcers or the interviewers they finally bring rocky rocky in and rocky is so uncomfortable and he's trying to answer these questions but he's nervous and he doesn't want to look bad and in his life it seems like people love to make fun of him or what he calls cheap shots and he feels that the media always takes cheap shots at at folks. And so he's very worried, but he's trying not to show Adrian and Pauly that he's frustrated by the fact that he is on TV and he is not comfortable. And so after he, he leaves the house, he, he's going to go back to his place. And uh, there's a scene where, and this is a classic sort of old school movie scene, where you see Rocky in the foreground and Adrian in the background. And you see very clearly Rocky's face, but Adrian is blurry. And so he goes to Adrian. He says, you know, you know, when I said I, I, I that those cheap shots or, or, or that whole situation didn't bother me. And she's like, yeah, he goes, it did. And once he says it did, he walks away 
and then the background becomes really clear and you see how Adrian accepts that information. That is one of my favorite scenes just because of the the effect and because it also shows you that, you know, Rocky is finally being honest. Like he's not, he doesn't have to be macho guy. Like, you know, he's being honest with her and in, in the evolution of their relationship. Yeah, and I think it's all those little scenes like that that kind of, you know, that, that you develop the affinity for Rocky. And, you know, I think that was a big part of, you know, what Stallone said about this film. It was about like showing uh, that he, you know, he, he kind of said, drew parallel to himself and that like, you know, people only really wanted him to play, you know, tough guy roles, play like muggers and gangsters. Palookas. So, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was about like, you know, the film parallels that in it it's showing that you know there is there is a more de- depth to him um and yeah i think that's a, a great illustration of that so the next one is uh when mick comes up mick mick has to eat some crow here right but he's not doing it in a way where he's asking for rocky's forgiveness he has just uh you know he's hurt rocky's feelings by taking his locker away and now rocky gets this opportunity and Mick looks like an absolute hypocrite to now come to Rocky's door and say, look, I can train you. I can show you all of these things. I, you had so much potential. You even remind me of Rocky Marciano. Like, come on, Mick. Like, if, if he really reminded you of Rocky Marciano, you would have, uh, you would have, you would have forced him to, to kind of change his lifestyle a little bit. But anyways, Mick has got to convince Rocky to to open his eyes to 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 coming back to Mickey and letting Mickey kind of run the show because he's also he you know while there's got to, there's something in it for Mick right he's never had someone get a shot so it's it's almost like Mick himself is reliving an opportunity that he never got and he even he even talks about this story of where he had a fantastic knockout but it was overshadowed by uh, Furpo and Dempsey, the crazy, wild, historic fight that, uh, you know, I, I like that little tidbit uh, uh, of Mickey fighting on the undercard of Furpo and Dempsey. Uh, and then, you know, but he's not, he can't eat crow. He's a little too proud to just apologize to Rocky. Rocky, all Rocky wants is an apology. And Mick is not apologizing. Mick's like, look, I can train you. I can, I can make sure that I keep you safe. And Rocky's mad. He doesn't want to look at Mick in the face. He's frustrated. He's sad. He's emotional. And he says, you know, and Mick finally says, well, if you wanted the opportunity, why didn't you just ask me? And Rocky's saying, I asked you, but you didn't have time for me. And so Mick is at this point where he's like, ah, like I, you know, I am in the wrong here, but I don't know what else I can do to convince this guy. So he leaves and Rocky has to kind of verbally go through this moment of running things through his head. All of the frustrations he's ever had with being overlooked. His Now it's about his house, right? Mick never said one thing about his house. And Rocky's like, oh, now you're leaving. Why? Because does my house stink? Like, my house stinks, right, Mick? I stink, my house stinks. That's how you feel about me. My house stinks? That's right, it stinks! I ain't had no favors from you. Don't slow around me. Talk about your pride. What about my pride, Mick? At least you had a pride. I ain't had no pride. I ain't had nothing. 
Legs are going, everything is going, no one's getting them nothing. Guy comes up, offers me a fight. Big deal, wanna fight the fight. Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. I wouldn't wanna fight that big fight, it was gonna happen to me. I'm gonna get that! I'm gonna get that! And you wanna be ringside and see it? Do you? You wanna help me out? Help me out? I see me get my face kicked in! Legs ain't working, nothing's working. They go, go on, fight the champ! Yeah, I'll fight him. And Mick didn't say any of those things, but that's how Rocky feels Mick thinks about him. He finally comes to the to reality, like, okay, he's he's really gonna be the one to protect me here. And he runs out, chases Mick, probably apologizes to him. We don't we don't see the dialogue, we just see him put his arm around him, and then Mick walks and Rocky runs back. Another really great scene. I'll let you talk about that. And then there's a tidbit that I that I have about that scene as well. Yeah, I think, you know, this is actually, like, you know, definitely one of the best best, best scenes. This and the scene that follow it. Um, you know, you, you kind of get the sense from from what Mickey's saying. is like, you know, he's seeing that this is his last shot. Like, you know, Rocky, like, he's really, he's really, as he said, pleading with Rocky to, to let, let him in on the, this journey. But, like, you know, he is proud and, and you know... Rocky just doesn't want to hear it when he he lets them go out and then you know as you said he just lets fly he lets everything kind of uh, all his frustration out and you know then when he when he does like when he get when he's got that out of his system you know it, it feels like he's able to you know make, build that bridge with Mick you know he he follows them up, up the street and you know that's a, that's a that's a that's a beautiful shot like like I love how it's shot from further down it's like it's, it's almost like you're looking from de- down the road from where, where rocky's house is you're looking at them and you can't you can't hear what they say but there's some kind of re- reconciliation there uh you know you, you see them you, you know shake hands and you know put, put his arm around about that and then it's clear that you know whatever's happened uh it's it's gone true to Rocky because the very next scene he's up at you know you see the alarm clock hit at four o'clock in the morning you know he's getting up he's going running while the city's still asleep you know uh, it's it's still dark um, and you know that 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 to me is uh, you know that's the beginning of of, of Rocky's journey and his, his transformation. Yeah, that that is that is another a great scene and uh, watching him. Uh, slurp down was it five or six eggs uh, in a dirty glass <laughs> is, is always sort of like the metaphor of you know we see boxing we see the prize fighters we see the successful fighters but what we don't see in in the sport of boxing is the you know 90 percent of those that don't make it and so that, you know, that's, this is 1976, but that's kind of the start of it for, for folks, especially folks like someone who is really just an opponent. That's all Rocky is, is an opponent. He's not on the marquee. He's the person who gets set up to, to make other people look good. And so that, 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 yeah, that just that whole thing of him being, you know, this is where he's coming from. And, and, and it's such a, a it, it'll, it'll be, as we get into the next uh, three films, really, uh, his life, you know, flips, turns upside down, and and it's a different look at the other side of of a more successful boxer. Yeah, but those are really good. Um, I think you know we don't. I don't. I don't really have to introduce this scene uh, very much, but um, you know, Rocky and Polly are are, are chit chatting at Polly's uh, uh, meat meat uh, factory, and uh, Polly 
is always joking with Rocky. He's always like needling him about his sister. And he has this weird fascination, which uh, I'm going to ask you about this in in, in a different uh, segment. He has this weird fascination of wanting to know if like Rocky and his sister are like having sex or not. And so um, Rocky gets so frustrated talking to Polly and Polly gets mad and Rocky just starts hammering the 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 meat that's hanging in, in the freezer. Uh, it's cold. You can very much see it's cold. His hands are wrapped. He's just gotten off of a run with his dog. And uh, Polly has just kind of frustrated him to another level. And he just starts hammering the uh, the beef there. Uh, that is, I think, you, we had mentioned Joe Frazier earlier. I think that's a Joe Frazier thing. Like Joe has mentioned in the past that he had, he had done that before. And maybe that's where Rocky got it from. Like I said, he's a... Uh, Stallone got it from because he's a boxing historian, but that's I think that's another scene that is just stands out like a very memorable, may, maybe more memorable than like best scene. But when I think about this movie, it's one that comes up. Yeah, um, and it is uh, it is something Joe has always claimed that you know they got the idea from him, and there are certainly like Joe did uh, work in a meat factory, and there are certainly uh, photos of him not punching meat, but there's certainly photos from preparing meat and things like that. But uh, yeah, I think what I like about this seed as well is just that like it kind of tells you something about the relationship with um, between Polly and Rocky, like because they have this big argument, and then. You know, after after Rocky's like beat up the beat and he's on his way to leave, Polly is kind of like you know he has has some line of like you know, if you do that to Apollo Creed, they're gonna arrest us for murder. And, <laughs> you know, I'll see you again tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, I, I'll see I you love, again tomorrow. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it, that it, line. And it, it, it like you know they they they're just like you know it, it, they just had this kind of contentious relationship where you know the they'll go off on each other but at the, at, at the same time you know, it can blow over in a second and you know, they're, back, they're back friends again so uh, the last one that I have and, and I'll then uh, give you the floor if you have any others um, so this is probably my favorite scene and I, and it's kind of combined with uh, the, the, the aftermath of this scene that, that I'm going to talk about so Rocky, uh, I, I can't figure out what time of the night it is. Uh, Adrian's already asleep. He's leaving the apartment. He's all dressed up, so he's in his normal sort of outerwear. And he goes to the arena that the fight is going to happen the following day. I didn't think you were going to say this one. This is one of my favorite ones, too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so he goes to the building. And the reason why this scene has always been confusing to me is because there's nobody inside the building except the promoter. And Rocky doesn't know that the promoter's there. Or maybe he does. And maybe the promoter's the one who let him in. I, like, I have no idea how any of this works. But Rocky looks at the, um, the posters in the arena um, that are hanging down of he and Apollo Creed. Obviously, Apollo Creed, they're, they're actually painted. They're like painted posters. So Creed's perfect uh, his his poster is perfect, and Rocky notices that on his poster, the color of the shorts are are flipped around. He's wearing white shorts with red stripe, and on the poster, it's red shorts with white stripes. And so Rocky's, you know, he's looking at this, and and you know, he's he's kind of overcome with emotion a little bit. And this is right before he comes to this realization that he can't win, and he looks at the poster. 
and he's kind of just contemplating and then the promoter comes over and he and they start talking and and you know rocky just goes look you know the poster's wrong like i'm actually wearing the colors the opposite way and the promoter just kind of goes eh not that big of a deal right and so at that point rocky goes oh my gosh like i am not being taken seriously these people don't think i can win why should i even think i can win like and so that's i think when he comes to that realization and then he goes back to the apartment and he has that conversation with adrian yeah i, I i've heard two kind of variants on what happened here in that either you know the art department got it wrong and they just had to go with it or that the original costume was the one that was painted and they changed costumes <laughs> during, awesome. the, during the course of the movie and they just wrote it in in as this little f- funny bit. But yeah, I think it, 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 what it just does such a great job of showing like what an afterthought Rocky is in all of this and just kind of like, you know, he's like, l- like looking at this promoter just like, you give me absolutely no no credit whatsoever, you know, and you know, you know, you know, and then as you said, you know, I think it's kind of the one-two punch of that scene and the scene of then going back to Adrian and going like, okay, look, nobody thinks I can do anything here, but if I can make it to distance for Creed when nobody else has, that will that will prove prove, prove something for me. Yeah, no, it's 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 just very well done, and those are these are the kind of scenes they they will try to do it a little bit in Rocky two, but in Rocky three and Rocky four they they don't do them in the same way. Movie making has changed the style of uh, of the way that Stallone wants these movies to, to be is much different. You'll you'll see a little bit of this in uh, in the first Creed, where you know some of these really meaningful things happen just in the dialogue. But yeah, like this is really the the major one where the dialogue and the and the little subtleties are are so powerful for the, for the film. So I'll let you uh, I'll let you add add what you wanted to add. Okay, I have two other ones that uh, you, you you skipped. One of them is. You know, just and it's it's very iconic scene is the ice skating scene. Oh yeah. Um, and just you know, there was a lot to that in that, like you know, I think originally they were meant to meet on a date in a cafe or something like that, and like they rewrote it and decided to do the ice skating thing, and like then they were planning on having you know a full ice skating rink with you know three hundred extras or something like that. They didn't have the money to do that, and they ended up just doing it. You know, you know, doing the story where. You know, it, it's Thanksgiving evening. Uh, the place is closed, and Rocky has to kind of bribe your man to let him on on the ice. And you know, also then part 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 of it. Another part of it was like you know, Sly was meant to be skating with her, and you know, he couldn't he couldn't skate, so he's running just awkwardly in his runner as well. And she's not a very good skater, and it's just this kind of <laughs> this kind of awkward scene. And you know, he's saying all the wrong things to her. Like you know, if you know Adrian's character, she's very timid. She doesn't and like the more you learn about her throughout the fight, like or throughout the series. Um, you know that, like you know, she's not into the, into the fighting at all, and he just keeps going on and on and rambling about, like you know, all these injuries he's got and everything. But <laughs> she still finds it kind of charming because she likes him. Uh, like I just thought that that's an awesome scene. Well, yeah, and then you know she she asks him multiple times, like, why would you do this? You don't even like it, you know? What? Why would you do it? And and you know he he has to make his own jokes about you know oh it's because I can't sing or dance or, or whatever. But uh, the uh, the funny thing uh, that I like about this is you know R- Rocky 
I don't know why he necessarily trusts Polly because Polly's an absolute con man. But Polly does set, you know, Polly does bring him over. And he's like, look, you know, you like my sister. I have no idea why you like my sister, but come over, like, whatever. And he, you know, Baraki's like, okay, well, what does your sister like to do? Oh, she loves to ice skate. <laughs> and it's just like, she's the worst ice skater. Someone who's probably done it just, uh, uh, you know, once or twice in her life. And, you know, it's just Polly's way of, uh, uh, of, of doing stuff. I, I, always, I always like that part of it, too. Yeah, and the other one is kind of a small scene, and I just like it because of the reality to it, because I think it's something we've seen in boxing a lot of times. It's, it's this scene where Duke is watching Rocky on the TV hitting the meat. And as you said earlier, Duke already is kind of like, I don't really want you to fight this southpaw guy. And he's looking at him and going, champ, you should probably be paying attention to this. And Apollo's mind is, absolutely anywhere but like what's actually happening in the ring he's talking all kind of business dealings and everything like that and I, the reason why i just kind of love that is just how many times over the years have you seen that that kind of insight from a coach where he knows his guy's mind isn't on the job and the fighter isn't just not not hearing it at all well and and the i think what also makes that powerful is if you pair it with the scene of mickey basically telling rocky like, I got to protect you. Like, that's my job is to protect you because I didn't have anybody to protect me. And that's literally Duke's job with Apollo is, look, even though you're the best fighter in the world, I still, my job is to protect you and I'm trying to protect you. And Apollo is so big, right? He is so famous uh, of an athlete. He's, he, he isn't even worried. He's worried about the business side of this fight. How do I, how do I dr drum up the business to make this a, as big as possible? And so that just shows, you, you know, we, 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 we see that in real life. You know, we just talked about, you know, the fabulous four, Sugar Ray Leonard talked about his own abuse of, of drugs and um, Mike Tyson. We know Mike Tyson, you know, the, the famous Buster Douglas story. Bobby Brown says that, you know, Mike Tyson's having an orgy the night before the fight. And so, you know, this happens in real life and this is a real sharp scene. Andy Ruiz, Andy Ruiz for the second Anthony Joshua fight. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And Andy Ruiz didn't have any business not being hungry for that second fight. Come on. But uh, but yeah, like, you know, it, it, it just shows you this is the this is the real part of boxing. This is why um, it's not just a sport. Right. This is why we call the website the fight game you know, or the, the podcast, the fight game, fight game media, fight game podcast, because there is a side to boxing that is outside of the ring that is almost more important than actually what happens inside of the ring. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And yeah, there, there was one other uh, scene I, I like, but I'm going to leave that because it's actually during the fight. So uh, we can talk about that in, in, in due course. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So if you had to choose, uh, what is your favorite scene? I think it's like kind of the one-two punch of Rocky and Mick's confrontation back at Rocky's apartment, followed by, you know, that first tr training scene of, you know, him leaving early in the morning while it's still dark, running while they're del delivering the papers down the, the wet streets. And you're like, you know, it 
like culminates with him, you know, running the rocky steps for the first time. But it's not like, you know, when we see it in the gonna fly now montage later on where he's like, you know, flying up the steps. It's like he's struggling to make it up these steps, you know. And as I said, you know, it's just like it's it's such the fir- first steps on the journey. And the first time he's like, you know, really dedicated himself, you know, you, you get that picture of like this is a guy who's finally seeing like okay i have one shot to, to, to ma- make something of myself and this is it no i think that is uh, probably the most powerful scene probably the scene that really sets the tone for the end of the movie uh i also you know i i just love the jurgen scene with, with the poster like that like that is like the the hook for me to be like, oh, you need to like come and kick his butt, you know. But 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 what you said was is probably the 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 most powerful of those. So I, I am fine with that one as well. Um, okay, so let's talk about quotes now. The dialogue in this movie is probably uh, it's it's actually better than than the dialogue for the next uh, six, the next five. But there are memorable pieces of dialogue in every Rocky movie because Sly knows that character so well and he knows how to set that character up for for great punchlines. But in this movie, he's not really trying to do that as much as he would in in the rest of of the films. You know, the rest of the films sort of becomes like, okay, what's the slogan for the film? Well, it's, you know, it's the next thing that that's what Sly wrote to be the slogan of the next films. In this film, it's not like that necessarily. But he, his character of Rocky is like a walking contradiction in a sense. He doesn't really speak in, in the way that we would all speak. He doesn't say things in, in the correct way that they're actually written to be said. So some of those quotes uh, I put here because they make me laugh because he, it's the Rocky character not really understanding what the right thing is to say. Everyone, we all know people like that who they are trying to communicate like a punchline and they say it the wrong way or whatever. And and Rocky is very much that person. So my first quote is when he is visiting at the pet shop and he is telling uh, Gloria the pet owner, the owner of the pet shop about the turtle food. And so he had practiced reading the turtle food the the I think is the night before. I think he wanted to impress Adrian that, you know, that he could read and speak and and be smart about something. But he's telling Gloria about the turtle food and and why uh, the the turtles get it caught in in in, in their throats and he's got to pat them on the back. And so then, you know, Gloria's not really giving him time of day. Adrian's kind of paying attention, but then Gloria forces Adrian to clean out some cages. And Rocky thinks that that's kind of mean because, you know, why does she have to do, you know, the the, the nasty work or the dirty work? And so he grabs the turtle food and he doesn't pay for it. And he's about to leave. And Gloria's like, you have to pay for that. And he's he doesn't pay for it. And he goes... Crime don't pay. You know that, Gloria. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But it pops me every time because he is just this like really doofusy guy who is trying to uh, get smarter and he's trying to improve himself, but he doesn't really know the right thing to say all the time. No, that, that that's brilliant. And like, I just I think all those interactions in the pet shop and I'm just kind of trying to come up with these like 
you can see that he's trying to go for these little, little punchlines to impress Adrian all the time, um, and it, 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 it's just it's, it's just really charming. So the next one is uh, from the heavyweight champion of the world. Rocky is at the bar watching Apollo on TV, and Apollo goes. You know, this is a very famous quote. He goes through this whole thing about this fight that he's going to have, and and then he gives some advice to some children, which ends up with be a thinker not a stinker. And he does kind of the smile thing. And it reminds me so much of, uh, you know, in, uh, in football back in the day when, when you would win the Super Bowl and the MVP would always kind of do this thing at the end going, and they would say, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to Disneyland. And so they would pay, you know, they would get paid to do this thing during the Super Bowl. And Apollo is such a master marketer, but at the same time, he's also, uh, you know, he also has this sort of goodwill. Uh, he has these sayings for for the children and, and which make him sort of like the people's champ as well, the everyday champion. So I always loved, you know, you could use that. I'm sure it's been used everywhere. Like in real life, you can use, you know, be a thinker, not a stinker. I always like that one. Uh, one of the things I like about uh, this as well is, um, you know, you see Apollo on the screen and Rocky's watching him in the bar. And, you know, the barman's kind of like, like any older dude you know is, he's kind of like, this guy's a clown. And Rocky takes Apollo's side. He's like, this guy's a champion. You have to show him respect. And, you know, it just kind of reminds me again of like any person you've seen who's got kind of, you know, a bit of a showman character that comes up in boxing. There's always got to be like, you know, your older crowd, whether it's Ali or it was Nassim Hamed or Floyd Mayweather. It's going to be the older crowd who just thinks this guy's a clown. And, you know, I thought that that was interesting showing just that like, you know, Rocky had respect for Apollo and also that, you know, throughout this film, they don't really, there's not really any rivalry between uh, Apollo and Rocky in this film because, you know they're not on the same level, so that it doesn't, it wouldn't make like you know every other film we get in this series, it's kind of a pretty intense ri- rivalry between uh, the the two boxers. In this one, just because like Apollo is so clearly the A side, it doesn't make sense for this to turn into uh, like this brutal f- feud with uh, Rocky because like you know he'd be punching down. So like just I always like that. There's a kind of a, an aspect of reality to that. Well, and in in the late seventies, I mean we're talking about mid to late 70s, we're talking about Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, George Foreman. There's a reverence for the heavyweight champion of the world that there isn't really in today's sports because the heavyweight champion of the world is not nearly as famous as he used to be when boxing was much bigger. So I always liked it for that reason, too. You know, to Rocky, the heavyweight champion of the world was just as important as being the president of the United States. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. At the end, like, I, I think that, I think, I think that, like, you know, there's a lot of little bits with Apollo like that. I think that he, you know, he carries this this character very well and presents himself as the champion. You know, I think he was definitely the guy to to, to lead these this series off with. Okay, so another of my favorite quotes is when uh, Paulie asks uh, asks Rocky why he even likes his sister or why they work. And Rocky explains relationships in the goofiest but yet easiest to understand way. 
And I've always, I've sort of used a version of this when, you know, I sort of talk about relationships. Uh, and he says, you know, kind of just sheepishly, he's just like, well, she's got gaps. I got gaps and together we fill gaps. And like, if you think about how relationships work, you know, if you bring uh, a side to the table and the other person brings a side to the table, if you both are sort of like emotionally good at the same thing, but also emotionally not good at the same thing, more than likely it's not going to work. But if you can sort of mold your uh, emotions and, and the things you bring to the table with the other person, there's a good chance that, that you can rely on each other for, for what you need. And so Rocky saying it in that simplistic of a way, I always thought it was a really great line because it makes complete sense to me and probably to anybody who's, you know, who's been in uh, a relationship A that didn't fit and then B went like, oh, yeah, this is what I've been looking for the whole time. Like it really explains that uh, very well. Yeah, and it, it, it's also like you know that that that's a big part of this story. It's about these two uh, like you know misfit characters, um, you know, f f finding finding some co common ground. So you know, that, like, and uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that I probably didn't appreciate up until this time really is how much of uh, Adrian, like t t t t Talia Shire's character, plays into how we view Rocky. You know, I think a lot of kind of what what we uh, enjoy about him is kind of gained through th those interactions he ha he has with um with Adrian. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to group these next three quotes together because they are all from Mickey. Mickey has great one-liners. He is a fantastically written character. Burgess Meredith is uh, just like I, you know, he's the perfect person to to play this role. Especially this version of Mickey, you know the 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 Rocky Three version of Mickey is a is a is a little bit different of a character, but this version of Mickey, like he just eats up this role. So my three favorite Mick quotes, are very simplistic, and there's not really a whole lot of backstory in, in them. Uh, the first one is when he tells Rocky, "Women weaken legs," and and to Rocky. He's like, geez, I finally get someone I really like, and now you're telling me. You know, it's almost like he gets the girl and the big fight at the same time, and he's got to figure out how to balance the two. You know, he's got to be so focused on his training, but he doesn't want to alienate Adrian because he wants this relationship to work. And Mick is just like, dude, women weakened legs. I've always loved that line. The second one was... Uh, you know, when he's finally got Rocky in, in great shape, at least, you know, as, as much as as great of a shape as you can get in like five and a half weeks <laughs> between the fight. Uh, he says, uh, you're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. I, I, I just pop for that line every time. And then the last one, of course, I think this is I think we're leaning towards uh, towards this as we talk about the fight. But, um, you know, cu cut me Mick. Right. This is actually Rocky speaking to Mick. But I think, you know, it's he is. So uh, as we get to the fight, he is so uh, wanting to finish that he's going to have Mickey do a, a pretty like uh, jarring thing to his eye to, to finish it. And it's just like, cut me, Mick. And, and Mickey, Mickey doesn't say that line, but it, it's, it's very much with him involved. And, and those three to me uh, are just great one liners for this film. Yeah, um, and for from for Mickey uh, Rocky uh, interactions, I think m my other favorite one is kind of like 
the w- one we spoke about when they're back in the apartment and he's like, you kind of remind me of The Rock, you know, um, you've got heart <laughs> like him. And then and, and R- Rocky just c- kind of looks at him and goes, yeah, I got heart, but I ain't got no locker. And, you know, it's just it's just such a small thing. You know, he just, he, but he's, you can tell from his, like all his dealings, uh, like, you know, throughout that day that like, this locker being taken away from him is stuck in his craw to such a degree, you know, and it was such a, like it was something he was just so focused on as a point to conflict. I just thought it was really funny. All right, the last one that I have, and then you can add add some more if you have them, is uh, it is from Duke, and it is after Apollo gets knocked down in the first round, and he looks at Apollo and he goes. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Finish this bum and let's go home. And that's another, it's another, you're snapped into this reality that Rocky's the only one in the audience, in that building, who thinks he's got a shot in this fight. And he is, and if he does win, He's going to shock the world. He is the ultimate underdog, the one in a million. And Duke, who is, you know, like you said, he was actually the one, you know, who who was trying to get Apollo to 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 pay attention. You know, you want to protect your guy. And he's like, he doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. And that kind of summarizes the entire spectacle of what this is in just that one line. Uh, yeah, um, I, I guess like there's a few other little ones that I, I could think of, um, just and just generally kind of smaller funny comments. But like, um, you know, when Adrian and Rocky are back at his apartment, and you know she's looking to call Polly, and Rocky just Rocky's like, I don't have a phone. He just opens the window. It's like I'll call him, and he's like, Hey, Polly, your sister. He just yells at him. Hey, Polly, your sister. at my place. I'll call you back later. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a there's a few there's a few with Apollo which are, are good. Like I I love them um, when you know when they're talking about what they're gonna do at the fight, and he's just like um he's gone like I'm sentimental, and a lot of other people in this country are sentimental, and there's nothing more they'd like to see than uh, Apollo Creed give a local Philadelphia boy a shot at the greatest t- title in the world. Like I thought that was really good in just kind of set, setting the stage. Yeah, he's he's just the ultimate promoter like he's just the ultimate marketer he's thinking far beyond and that's partially why he's as good as he is like he has to be really good in the ring but he's also the master marketer i it, and make apollo creed like if you look at the character of apollo creed he is not only a dynamic athlete and boxer he's also the smartest guy in the whole movie like he understands the whole game and the business of it better than anybody else yeah, and I think like uh, then you know there's a couple others that I just I, I, we'd already discussed you know um, you know Paulie's line of uh, that we 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 talked about where he's with Rocky punching the beat and he says you know uh, if you do that to Apollo Creed they'll put put you in jail for murder uh, like that that that's another another one of my favorites that, and um, that symbolizes their relationship because like Rocky can only stay mad at that guy for like a few minutes. And then the last one is obviously uh, uh, the one you mentioned, which is just when he's talking with Adrian, admitting that, you know, he can't win the fight. And he's just talking about, you know, if I can just go see, see out that distance and when, when the bell goes, if I'm still still standing, you know, I'll know that for the first time in my life, uh, 
I wasn't just just another bum from the neighborhood. Um, and that's you know what I like about that scene, that in particular, is just that it kind of it, it changes the goalposts in that like you go from like okay, this guy doesn't have a, ch- a chance in this fight. Uh, that's not what the goal is for him anymore. It's it's ju- it's just if he if he can put on a good show and sh- you know sh- show people that uh, they were wrong about him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, what is your favorite quote? I'll, I'll say mine, and then and then I'll let you get to yours. I think, I think my favorite quote in the whole thing, and 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 because it's the one that I use when I'm watching uh, boxing a lot, and where you have this, uh, you know, when you when you when you have a fight where it's probably a bit one sided, and or supposed to be one sided. You know, not not really this pay-per-view marquee, but definitely one where there's a, a favorite and an underdog. And then the underdog comes to fight. I, on Twitter, immediately go, he doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. I think that's my favorite line in the whole movie. I think for me, it is, it is that one about, you know, I got hard, but I ain't got no locker. <laughs> just because, just I just say, I just love how how just kind of, you know, it, like that was just kind of a point a point for Rocky that you know maybe that like you know he he was part of something at that club and just for taking that lock away, even though it seemed like such a small thing to him, you know, I don't know, I, I think it kind of alienated him from from Mick and you know brought all the kind of detention they'd had for that last six years to a boil. Well, I mean, it's the sickest burn that that you could give the guy because Mick is trying to like charm him and he's trying to like use this you know, use his, his Jedi mind tricks. And Rocky's just like, no, dude, like you can't do that. Like you can't come in here. How dare you like that? That is, that is a great moment. Okay. So, um, let's talk about, and and this is such a big part of, of Rocky, but it actually becomes a much bigger part of Rocky in, in the next, uh, in the next three Rocky movies, but it's the training montage and the fight scene and the music being used, uh, during them, because you know Rocky is an inspirational thing. Um, you know, you hear, you even see fighters in the UFC today come out to Rocky. You know, any 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 music related to Rocky, and this film, because it is at you know it, it it is a it is a film, and it is not you know what Rocky Four becomes, which is just this long music video, or even Rocky Three has a lot of music video MTV music video moments. This is a little bit more subdued. Uh, you already mentioned, you know, just the symbolism of Rocky not being able to make it all the way up the steps in his first run. And he's that kind of proves to him that he's got a lot of work to do. Um, but the uh, the the actual montage in this movie is, is pretty short and uh, it, it doesn't actually become kind of the marquee thing that it does until the next movie. But it is still it is still pretty uh, important to the overall film. And uh, I guess what I like about it is, is it's, it's just very simplistic. Like, you know, Rocky is not doing a lot of heavy weightlifting in this movie. He's doing normal boxing stuff. He's doing running. He's doing speed bag. Uh, he's not even really hitting a heavy bag in this movie. But the one thing that stands out to me, because I think Stallone was like, OK, you know, you already mentioned this. We don't have a ton of budget. What can I do to make it look like I am a really good athlete? And he busts out these like jumping one arm pushups. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do one arm pushups. A, they are, they are really, really hard. Like I've, I've been able to do them like once in my entire life, but B, 
they're you're not super stable in them so when i see him doing these jumping push-ups all i'm thinking of is like this dude is tearing muscles left and right in his chest and i think he actually does uh, get hurt from doing these push-ups because he, he overdoes it but you know the 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 music and uh and this style of training i think was was really fun to watch but the the montage in of itself will not even get uh become sort of the nitty-gritty uh, build up to the fight as it would in the next three films. Uh, one of the things like I don't think this film gets enough credit for is just what a beautiful looking film it is. There is some absolutely tremendous shots during this montage. I think um, I, I just don't really think people really talk about Rocky as being this great looking film. Um, but also, I think you know this is a scene that like. You know, you said that it's not as big as it was become, but I think like it grew and grew and grew from what it was initially intended. You mm-hmm. know, from the story I heard was like, you know, they would just drive around in the van and they'd see some interesting spot to, that they could film and they'd say they kick Sly out, go get running. And, you know, <laughs> they'd record it. And that's how, you know, they have that great shot of him running by uh, the ship with the ship in the background or you know where he's running with the, with the with the bricks in either hand and the train is going by up above him you know they got all these just uh, uh, great shots and you know I believe like you know they went back to Bill Conti a few times and were like okay we need you to lengthen this song a little bit you need to lengthen this song a little bit and you know Okay, well, can you add some lyrics? You know, and it just became this bigger and a bit, bit, bit bigger thing, uh, which turned into gonna, gonna, gonna fly now. Um, and you know, part of the reason why they were doing that was because, as you said, you know, the athleticism from Sloan goes up and up and up. And what we'd already seen in the film was like he was struggling, like hauling ass up these steps the first, the first time he did it. And the idea was to present in the montage these exercises you're seeing him move from strength to strength to strength that like you know what he's doing at the end of the montage he wouldn't have been able to do at the start of it you know but you're seeing as he's progressing and he's progressing and progressing and you know it's taking on on that journey as he's getting fighting fit yeah absolutely um and then we have the fight which i will talk a little bit about uh in in my questions to you and in my pet peeves there there's some things about this fight that uh that are a little interesting but the uh, the fight in of itself, obviously, it builds great drama. You start with uh, the the uppercut knockdown of Creed, and that's like just shocking. Like it's so jarring, even when you watch it, you know, several times, knowing that the champ is going to get knocked out or knocked down. And you know, because Rocky, you know, Rocky's kind of in there, and he's he's not used to fighting someone with that type of slick movement, and 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 uh, and and he he looks like he has two left feet, but Apollo just kind of leaves himself wide open to this to this uh, uppercut, and and he just goes down. Um, that sets the tone, and so you 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 as a viewer, you're like okay, maybe he does have a chance to win here. And they spend the rest of, you know, the, the there, there's a couple of moments where Rocky does does get get an upper hand or he, he he lands a body shot. But it's not, again, until like the the 14th round where Rocky starts to, to do well again. So it, from, from what the unknown of, of the rounds that we miss, it seems like from rounds like two through 
14, Rocky just takes a beating and he keeps coming back. And then he finally, you know, he has uh, some really good moments at the end of 14. And then in 15, he looks like he's about ready to put Creed down and just runs out of time. What I love about this is, you know, we, we already talked about them moving the goalposts to making this kind of a moral victory for, like, you know, that was the goal for Rocky going in. And they switched that back on its head again, as you said, in that first round knockdown. Because you're just watching the fight and Rocky's really, like, Paul's not taking him seriously at all. And Rocky can't get near him for that those first couple of minutes. And you're thinking, oh, like, he's really out of his depth. And then, like, he stuns them with this big shot and puts them over. And you're like... You know, the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, wait, this film is called Rocky. You know, of course, <laughs> of course the hero is going to, w- to win, you know. So it, it switches you it switches you back up into that, like, um, to that mindset of, oh, no, maybe, maybe he is going to win it. And then when they pull it back away, away from you again, and then, you know, he but like the battle returns to what, what it was initially. It was like, oh, can he get over the line and make the, make the final this, make the final bell? Um, just, um, you know, a couple of things on this. Uh, the first is like that knockdown. Uh, like Sly had mentioned that the inspiration for where he, like the first spark of an idea for where this film came from was Weapner Ali. And that knockdown to me, very influenced by the the, the Weapner uh, knockdown of Ali. Do you, do you think that? Well, uh, Stallone, very early, especially when he's describing the movie to the media, um, he really goes into heavy detail about that fight and about about why it was influential to him because of that knockdown. Because, you know, he, he even overdoes it like you know Webner obviously was not a, a great contender but he did have a, a decent career but the way that Stallone describes Webner in in his uh telling of the inspiration of the movie is like you know this guy's like no you know zero chance like just terrible fighter and and so uh he he even overplays that a little bit now obviously Webner's not in Ali's class but at the same time, you know, he was probably a, a better fighter than actual Rocky Balboa was portrayed to be. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would imagine it has to be because uh, just, you know, the way that Stallone describes that knockdown, I, I think he's even said differently in different stories. I think the first story that I heard was he was uh, in the uh, is it in a movie theater he watched that that fight? And I think then maybe it got to like he was there live or something. I don't know. I don't really know the how he's because he's Stallone's a great storyteller too. But yeah, like you know that just that moment and he said you know the silence that that you heard and and everything. So I I would assume so that that's definitely yeah. It, the it, it's just it's just the way Apollo goes down. Kind of it's very reminiscent of how Ali goes down. Um and yet I I, I you know that's the other thing like uh, the actors choreographed that fight um you know th- they were working with somebody initially like you know a, a guy who was a specialist in doing boxing scenes and i think what stallone said was that you know he was wanted apollo to come out and throw four right hands straight away and your man was like that wouldn't make sense no one would do that and he's like yeah but it it does in this context because 
Apollo has no regard for Rocky type of thing. It's just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. And so they fired your man. And then the two guys just like went home and, you know, practiced this fight. Like, you know, Stallone wrote out this fight and just practiced it over and yeah, over. He said it was like, like nine pages of choreography or something like that. Yeah, and I, I like I, I've heard I've heard Carl Weathers who played played Apollo say like you know they spent eight hours in the, the ring at a time, and you know I, you know I've also you know heard Stallone say he, they were just there, they were just mining like you know seventy years worth of fight footage. They're just going through like you know Joe Lewis fights, Rocky Marciano fights, and just trying to steal little bits from here and there and mash it up into this you know. T- 10 minute fight montage but the other thing is you know what we what what they do in this fight is you know they show us the first two rounds kind of like they're full rounds and then it moves into we hear um the going the distance song from the the, the rocky soundtrack and we get highlights and that's kind of the format these fights take for for the rest of the the rest of the film so that that's kind of set down here as well yeah and then um just uh yeah the 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 music the the fight uh, i'll have some pet peeves like i said in, in a little bit about them um but overall uh i oh the one oh, i know the one thing i was going to mention uh stallone talks about pulling punches and how you have to punch in in, in when you're doing a scene like this and how you know, it's actually kind of hard to pull a punch and this kind of goes back to to pro wrestling how they pull punches but he was saying that you know, in order for Carl Weathers to be Creed, like he had to juice himself up so much that he actually, you know, he he was thinking that he was the heavyweight champion of the world. So when they're getting in and they're doing stuff, like he's like tagging Stallone in the head with jabs and Stallone's like, okay, dude, like I'm the one who wrote this character for you. Like you can't, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta pull back a little bit here. Like, you know, don't get too carried away. But I just thought that was amazing. Cause like, you know, if you're going to become Apollo Creed, like you have to become Apollo Creed, and that's just a great little tidbit about the about the fight scenes. And yeah, the, the other scene I was mentioning earlier that I liked, which was during this fight, is you know it's in the 14th round where Rocky gets put down, like he showed a ton of guts and heart, and he gets put down by Apollo uh, near the end of the round, and Mick is telling him to you know you know stay down, stay down. And Adrian just enters the arena there just as Rocky's getting up and beats the count just at eight or nine. And Apollo then just has this look of like, you know, he's seen a ghost. Like he's just completely forlorn that Rocky was able to beat beat, beat the count. Like that's another of my very favorite bits in this whole series. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so let's go to the questions and then we'll kind of come back to some pet peeves later about the fight, but we're going to go through some questions and just some tidbits. Uh, when you, when you do some research that, that, that you find about, about the, the film and about Stallone, like Stallone's just like got stories left and right. Okay. So I have questions for you. Some of these are more, uh, are more, um, serious than others for sure. But just things that stood out to me. I think the first thing, like the big elephant in the room, to me, watching this movie with, uh, you know, with current eyes versus uh, from, you know, the late 70s. In the scene where Rocky invites Adrian into his apartment, the way that he kind of boxes her in when she wants to leave, 
it's like it's a little a hard uncomfortable. to watch. Yeah, a little, I, I, little I, uncomfortable with. I uh, thought our that I did. I, I, I did take that too, and I was wondering if you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's not. It's not. I wouldn't consider it sexual assault, but he is a little forceful. Am I? Am I right about that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. As I said, it's just a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Uh, second question: uh, Miles Jurgens as a promoter, how would you compare him to uh, our favorite Big Bob? Big Bob Aram. He also does two. He also has a second job in this movie, though. He is the promoter, and he is the ring announcer for the fight. So he's doing double duty, probably to get a, two two different paydays on this. But how does he compare to? Uh, a real a real boxing promoter that 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 we see in in real life <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to answer that but i actually i actually never spotted before that um you know he was the ring announcer i never n- noticed that yeah um i i, you know, I think uh apollo's the real promoter here right like J- jurgens is just there to to kind of help whatever he's there for the tv deal or or uh you know what whatever uh licenses or, or whatever but apollo's the real promoter i feel like jurgens is, is kind of there to to pick up a paycheck a little bit um okay so the uh pennsylvania uh athletic commission puts the fight on and um what do you think of them sanctioning this like a you know rocky's got five months to train but B, he just had like nine stitches put in his head because uh, Spider Rico gave him a headbutt. Like uh, I don't know, I did, did did who checked on the cut there? Like I think I think the they they should have uh, looked at looked at Rocky a little bit uh, more closely there before they sanctioned him for this one. Uh, maybe, uh, but like I, I think people were just tougher in those days, GG. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I I think you know Rocky says after. Like you know, after he leaves the Spider Rico fight, like I think somebody tells him you're you're back out in two weeks. Which, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know if that one if that one would pass today. Okay, so then uh, there's the scene uh, where Rocky is like just beat up, tired from his workout, and he's in his he's like hanging out in his bathrobe at Adrian's house, uh, and and so you know she's like. She enjoys like being a a, a couple uh, and um, you know being close to him. And after Mickey has just told him women weaken legs, and he tells her, you know, you know, no, no fooling around. I have to stay strong. What is the myth? Like, like that's such a myth about uh, about strength, or or maybe it's just like a metaphor. Maybe it's just a disciplinary thing. But you know, like you know, you, you don't hear people say, oh yeah, you know. Let's uh, let let's not have any sugar. That's how you stay strong. They go, nope, no fooling around. That's how you stay strong. Like, where did that myth even come from? I don't know, but it's still to some degree. Like, and uh, most coaches, I think nowadays, just say like, you know, it's better for fighters just to be relaxed and doing what they normally do and not changing <laughs> changing the routine but, but like you still do hear people who, who you know who who, who who believe this stuff except for tyson fury um yes oh yeah i, I actually i completely I, I forgot what you're referencing there yeah. <laughs> okay so uh so there's the scene where uh rocky and adrian are at the house they don't know that Polly is there, and they start talking a little bit of trash about Polly. He hears them, and he starts swinging the bat 
at um at both of them and he starts to go crazy. And so Adrian finally sticks up for herself. And Polly has a line, and I can't even remember the line because it's so weird language-wise, but he's basically telling her, or he's basically frustrated because she's not a virgin anymore. She's 30, and he is so concerned about her virginity when she he set Rocky up with her. There's this weird line, I don't remember exactly what he says, but like that is... Uh, Another sort of uncomfortable thing about this to me is like, why is he so concerned about that? Is it a religious thing? Is it a 70s thing? I don't understand that one. Yeah, that one for me was just kind of uh, one of those ones that you just kind of... I, I looked at it as like, okay, this is before my time. And yeah. I, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, this is just maybe something that like in the 70s... Yeah, the, and, and so, you know, when I'm watching this as a kid, I don't understand this scene at all. Like, just literally goes over my head. But as, you know, as you're watching this with adult eyes, you're like, oh, my God, like, that's what he's so frustrated about? This is kind of ridiculous. Um, okay, so uh, in the fir- in the fight, we, we just talked about Creed goes down in the first. Have you ever done a count on how long Apollo was down? I think Rocky got a little bit of a slow count there. A little bit I of a did, saving of the champ. I, I didn't. I, I have not done that. It's close. Uh, it, it's it's um, if it's not almost ten, like it's nine and a half. Like it's really close. And I was just thinking, like mm, they might be saving the champ here because he. Uh, this would be quite the embarrassment uh, to have Rocky win, especially in the first round. So I don't know. Rewatch that part. Let me know if you think it's a slow count. Yeah, I, I'm sure if you know if you ask Sly and you you called him on it, he would tell you, "Oh yeah, you know that's because you know they were favoring Apollo because he was the A side." Um, okay, so uh, if you are, uh, let's say, you just put, you're just like, "Oh wow, the, the, this." I mean, I, if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, I, I don't even know if this fight is on the books necessarily. But let's say it was, and let's say, I don't know, Rocky's like a hundred to one or 50 to one or whatever underdog. And you put, uh, let's, let's just put 10 bucks on Rocky here or 20 bucks on Rocky. How frustrated are you with that split decision? Like you have the opportunity to cash out in the ultimate bet. And then the split, the split decision happens. And ultimately your bet is not there. But like one of those moments where it's like, oh, the split decision. Could this actually happen? Nope. Champion wins. I think like the closest thing I can think of that I came to that was um, Vladimir Vladimir Klitschko or no Vitaly Klitschko against uh, Lennox Lewis Um, I had Vitaly as a big underdog in that and he looked on the verge of beating Lewis and then you know he was stopped with the cut yeah, no, that's that. That's got to be a heartbreaker, though. Like, like if you, if we could go back into that fictitional universe, and you'd go back, like it's a great bet, and then you you lose out in the end. Okay, so um, this is a little bit of a theme for some of the films. The way Adrian's character is used is actually as a way uh, for Rocky to overcome sometimes. But I wonder, and, and maybe this is a better question to ask after Rocky Five. 
But is Adrian a bit of a jinx? Because she stays in in the locker, in the locker area, in the backstage for the entire fight until the 14th round. And the second she walks in is finally when Rocky has to take a long count. And then, she, like to her, she probably wonders, like, this must be how the fight's been the whole time. Like, I can't imagine this dude is winning. He's she comes in, he's he's on the floor. But we'll, we'll we'll probably look at this. Maybe we don't have an answer now. But as we go through the series, it feels like her character sometimes is used as a another way for Rocky to overcome something. Like she sets obstacles for him in a sense. Yeah, that's that, that's like I had not thought about that, but you know that's something we'll we'll have to look at it. You know, these next four films. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is a, a pretty serious thing, but just the the idea of the Great White Hope. Now that theme uh, has been around, I'm sure, uh, for a very long time. Rocky is not the movie that introduced that theme. But do you find I, 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 don't, I don't find the Rocky series to be uh, disrespectful in any way towards race, though the Polly character will uh, get a little interesting in, in Rocky three. But it, it, it's, it's just an interesting play uh, that is an easy play with the theory of, uh, of the great white hope. Have you ever it did like when I was a kid, I never thought about that I just thought about it as, oh yeah, like Muhammad Ali was the champ, so thus they made, you know, they made the, the champion African American, and you know that's how it's sort of been. But there is a, you know, there there is a, I'm sure there is a strategy uh, here when it comes to marketing a film, when you know the idea of the Great White Hope it works, it works in in lots of uh, lots of uh, you know boxing stories as well. Like historically, promotions have have really leaned that way to try and find that fighter. But have you ever thought about that from uh, f- that that play in the actual story of Rocky? I don't think that's what they were playing at directly in the story. Um, you know, I, like I think. Sylvester Stallone's like motivation for the character, you know, he, he, he yeah, probably like you know it comes from you know because it comes from Chuck Webner and Rocky Marciano, and you know I think you know that's what he was trying to play. That's what he was trying to put. That's what he was trying to duplicate. You know, he's trying to duplicate those fights. Um, you know, as 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 the film itself. You know, there's kind of mixed as to how it presents uh, that that kind of dynamic. Because you know, when Apollo is kind of talking about the fight, he is kind of half playing it up that you know he's going to he's going to choose a, um, a white contender because right. people will buy into that. But then also at the press conference, uh, you know, he completely shuts that. He, 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 closes the book and then he completely sh- shuts that that down they kind of ask him is there any significance or something that you're choosing to, to, to fight a, 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 a white challenger and he I think he says like you know is there any significance that he's choosing to fight a black, black champion or, yeah yeah so so, so, they, so they, you know they, they do a good job of uh, you know closing that issue out I think at the same yeah. time yeah Apollo so, yeah he's so smart he's he, he's he's just so sharp um, okay, so uh, so let's let I, I just want to kind of 
give some facts, things that that I, I found. got a couple of questions for you. For oh you yeah, 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 totally. Go for it. Okay, the first one I wanted to ask you was, okay, like this was the first Rocky film I saw. I said many, many years after it happened. I think it was probably could be give or give or take a year or two, but I think it was around ninety four. And I didn't watch them sequentially after that. I think probably the next one I saw was probably Rocky Five because that was the one that was most recent. So I was wondering if this was the first Rocky you saw and when you, when you saw it. I'm going to guess that the first Rocky I saw was Rocky Three because that was right in the time when Cable went nuts. And so I would have been like six or seven at that time. And HBO ran Rocky three like constantly. And so I, you know, I've seen Rocky three so many times and, you know, back in the, back in that day with the VCR, the whole, the whole thing was, you know, recording your favorite movies on videotapes. Cause then you can keep them forever. So I, I ran through the Rocky three, uh, video cassette that, that my dad had taped. And then, so from Rocky three, I think I then went backwards and the movie that I didn't, I wasn't really ever to to uh, able to see often because for whatever reason they didn't show it as much was Rocky Two. So when um, I want to say when the Rocky series came out in the box set, I, I want to say this was after Rocky Five. Like then then the box set came out. The one that I would constantly go back to is Rocky Two because I just hadn't seen it as many times as I'd seen three, four. And uh, and one. So if my, if my guess, and this is just a memory thing, I would have guessed it would have been three, then one, then four, and then two. I, I you know that that's probably the order that I went through. Okay, and another one. Uh, the original ending of this film was not meant to be what it was. It was meant to just be uh, rocky and. Adrian meeting in the, you know, the tunnel of the arena alone and walking out hand in hand, which is the image that's on the poster. Yep. And you know, the the footage of that, you know, I think was shot, but it, it was it was it was it's ultimately been lost. Nobody yep. has it anymore. But I just wanted to get your take on you know because that is probably the most like the the ending that we got is probably the most famous scene in this whole series. And I just want to get your get your thoughts on if if they had have had have went with what they'd originally planned, would it have made a difference in how how this film is seen today? So, I this is this is um, this is kind of in my pet peeves because he asks her to, or he doesn't ask her. Like, I maybe he asks her to sit to stay. In the back, remember, he's like, oh, don't leave town. I don't want you to leave. I, I, and, and so she's in the back. How does he know that she's come out to watch the fight? Because at the end of the fight, he's screaming for her. And he doesn't really care about the decision. He's just screaming for her, which kind of wraps the whole thing up like very well. But I also don't think it makes any sense because how does he know that she's there? Like he assumes that she's still in the back. Do, does he see her? Because, you know, the way this is shot, you see Adrian and then she disappears into the crowd again. 
and then you see her pop up for a second. It's really well, or it's really well shot. Like he, she just keeps appearing and disappearing back into the crowd. So is that what Rocky's seeing? Are you seeing what Rocky's seeing? He he's spotting her at the back of the arena. His eyes catching her. You know, crowds moving in front for he can't see her. You know, and that's why he's shouting for her. Yeah, I, I mean it's possible. I mean I don't know how he can see out of that eye, but um, yeah, I, I guess so. You know, but one of my favorite parts of that is is Polly kind of doing the 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 hiking up the 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 ring rope for her to go in underneath. It's like the it's like the nicest thing he's ever done for her in his life, uh, but. Yeah, you know, I I think that I think it works if you can sort of uh, just not think about it too much, um, and it definitely would it works much better than than what the original idea was for them to just kind of walk out together uh, because there's there there's the, the because then they can play off the idea that he has an absolute chance to win this decision and Apollo is so scared that he's not going to get the decision. He's so worried and Rocky absolutely does not care at all. He's just like, I don't I don't care. Don't ask me any questions. I'm just looking for my girlfriend and if she's here, then that's all I care about. And I think what's kind of well done in that as well is that like the way the way it's shot, like, you know, the, the, the actual decision almost sounds just like it's background noise when you they're You almost don't it. even hear it. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of like this is you know, it, it kind of really establishes that Rocky does not care one bit what has happened. Uh, as far as you know, like in his mind, I guess he's just thought, "I've lost this fight, but I've got, uh, you know, I've got what I needed from it." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess you know, the like the last question I have for you is just kind of a little bit about how this film has kind of shaped. You know, this we have this kind of. So strong subgenre in film of you know boxing films is like it's it's very like it, as far as sports films goes like boxing does punches way above its weight it's like it's very kind of revered genre now and not to say Rocky was the first film because there was you know great ones before this there was you know Fat City Requiem for a Heavyweight and a couple of others but you know this was the first kind of one that ended up being a smash hit success. And it's like, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on how this has kind of helped over the years, paved the way for kind of some of the other great boxing movies, you know, The Raging Bulls, The um, the Fighter, uh, Million Dollar Baby, um, Cinderella Man, all, all these great boxing movies that have come out. Do you think they owe kind of a debt of gratitude in some way to Rocky? Do you think that this is kind of, you know, it, you know, without, without this film, do we not get, do we not kind of get that, 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 that sort of side of cinema? So I think it is actually more important to uh, the classic underdog sports film than it is to boxing films because if you follow this blueprint, you always gonna you're always gonna get compared to Rocky, and that's not kind of what you want because the second you get compared to it, then people just go, oh, you know, why would I watch your movie if I've already seen the best one? But I think what owes to Rocky are films like uh, Miracle, right? Like the Miracle on Ice situation with the U.S. hockey team. That that's actually a real story, but because you play it like an underdog story, you make it the Rocky of ice skating films. Um, 
or any any other sort of underdog sports film. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. There was the um, the football movie with uh, with Mark Wahlberg where they kind of played in, into this. You know, this guy just not not really a, a, a college player or whatever who 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 makes it to you know makes it to the uh, to onto the Philadelphia Eagles. And so those styles of films where the idea of this underdog, I think those are the ones that owe the debt of gratitude to Rocky versus necessarily the boxing films, because you can't you can't redo this movie in a boxing genre because you're just going to get compared to Rocky and then it's kind of done for you. Yeah, I guess for me, it was just kind of, you know, more about did it show that there was you know an audience there for a boxing film and you know what got me thinking down this path was like I kind of stumbled upon something in a research for this which was you know an interview with the producers and they also produced Raging Bull a couple of years later Mm. and they said one of the things that got Raging Bull greenlit was they dangled Rocky 2 out because like people were not interested in Raging Bull being a movie at all but they were like oh you know by the way, we're going to make Rocky too, but fight on this raging bull for the f- first. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's yeah, that's great. That's great information. Pretty cool. No, that's I mean, that's like, you know, I guess that that's just how these things work, right? But you would think that. So the the movies that I compare Rocky to are just the sequels or Creed, right? Because Creed, um, it, it has has much more, uh is much more like the original Rocky than any of the other movies are like the original Rocky. So, but yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that, that's an interesting thing to think about, um, you know, when it comes to the influence, but uh, I, I, you know, the other thing I think is, is, is a major influence is just to the genre of franchises like fast and the furious is literally the same as the Rocky series, though they just extended it. Like the very first Fast and Furious is just this really small picture about car racing. And then Fast 9 is like this idea on steroids and now they're superheroes. And that's kind of what Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 became. And so I think it also owes to this idea of franchising. Now, Star Wars, obviously, as well, though uh, those movies were more about telling this overall narrative that had kind of been pre-written. And this one, Sly was making it up, right? Because he didn't know if this was going to be successful. So he had to actually rewrite the story uh, or, or write the story of Rocky II and Rocky III and Rocky IV after the first film. And I actually have some information about that that we'll, we'll talk about right now in, in the relevant information section. So this story of Sly Stallone, I'm almost sure, I don't have any proof, I'm almost sure Dwayne The Rock Johnson saw this story and decided to create his own narrative about it because Rocky, during this time, Sylvester Stallone claims to have had $106 in his pocket before he decides to write <laughs> Rocky and sell it to uh, you know, to UA, I guess. And this is the story that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, tells. He had seven bucks in his pocket until he decided to go into wrestling. I just thought it's like, okay, like I, I know, I kind of get where you got that story from, Rock. Uh, you got it from uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into that, though. You know, I, I don't know how much 
Sylvester's working that, but you know he was he, he was under you know a lot of pressure. He hadn't produced he hadn't produced anything that was a, a hit or anything or had a big opportunity, and you know he was getting these offers for like you know big money to to deliver this script with on, on, under the impression that you know another person would act in it, and you know. He he was like he 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 fought for this film like he 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 wanted to be in it himself and he was like okay just let me have it and you know the studio kind of gave it to him under the proviso that like okay you can have this film and you can act in it but we're not going to give you much money for it and if you mess up at all you're you're off it we're just going to cut it and you know they they set it out as like you know a small b b movie film uh, you know a, a small budget with the idea that like it's not going to lose its ass and like you know they'll make up whatever it loses um on some of their blockbusters it ended up being the absolute opposite where rocky like you know opened in i think you know three theaters just grew and grew and grew ended up being the highest grossing film of the year and it actually made up the money that like most of their blockbusters lost yeah yeah no and so just like you said still i think stallone has actually come out and said they wanted Redford, Ryan O'Neill, Burt Reynolds, James Kahn, and they offered him up to you know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something. Which for would have been life changing money at that, like you know, for a guy who had had nothing, no, 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 nothing uh, marketable at that point. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's uh, it is actually you know he's super disciplined. He had you know hit hit that that the fact that this movie got made was a, a million to one shot if you think about it um okay so a couple of, we'll, we'll go through these a little quickly um took him three and a half days according to him to write the uh write the script at least the 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 original draft of the script and he said he wrote it like on binder paper and his wife at the time who would be uh sage's mom was the one who typed it out for him uh, it sh- it was shot in 28 days on a one million dollar budget, and we already talked about the Webner thing. But what do you think about Webner's claim? Uh, and and I think they settled out of court in 2003. But he's always said that Stallone had like promised him, you know, to be in some of them, or, or and maybe he he just kind of said that to say it or whatever. But uh, Web Webner, you know, took it took him took him to court and was like, this is my story. I need a cut of this, and and they settled in '03. Yeah, I think there was something along the lines of that Wepner was being brought in for maybe it was Rocky Two uh, to have some kind of role, and you know he was in the midst of serious drug problems at that mm-hmm. point, so they had to, to get rid of him. So I think that's probably where that story comes from. Is that maybe you know there was something promised for him, he couldn't hold up his end of the deal, and you know and, and that, that's that's where the conflict came i mean i i totally get chuck's perspective but jesus like if apollo creed is not uh just a uh a blue like a a replica of muhammad ali like ali is the one who also should have had a claim to uh to inspiration for the apollo creed character jeez um okay so uh the movie wins best picture in 1977 uh, it also wins Best Director and Best uh, Film Editing. Stallone's nominated for Best Actor. Talia Shire nominated for Best Actress. Burt Young and Burgess Meredith both for Supporting Actor. It is also nominated for Writing and Screenplay, Sound, 
and music song, but it does not win any of those categories. I, I think people just assume Stallone wins the best uh, uh, best actor for this, but he did not. He he did not win for this movie. Okay, well, I think there's two, there's a few things here. Well, firstly, like you know, for a movie like this, firstly, uh, such a low budget movie, and also just a, a movie about boxing to win three three Academy Awards. And uh, you know, be nominated for ten is unbelievable. Um, you, you know, you just—it was so rare you would see something like that happen. And then I think the other thing it just shows you is like how, st- how like it's, what a strong team. There was no weak links on this one. You have the best actor, uh, two best supporting actors being nominated, uh, best a- actress not not nominee. Um, you, you know, you 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 have. Uh, you have it be, be, be being nominated for screenplay. You, you have you have the director. Um, like everybody under on this team uh, did their part. And you know, it's the one that like uh, you know kind of sticks in my craw a little bit is that like how did Gotta Find Out not win a song? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you know, obviously we have. Uh, I don't know how many how many years of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking that we can look, but yeah, like you know, there's it, nobody knew that must be like you know that soundtrack must be one of the most influential in all of cinema ever. Like you know, y- you have ki- ki- kids, right? Who would have grown up years and years after Rocky. I'm sure oh, yeah. at some point they heard like that Rocky music and were like what's the deal with this Rocky? You know, you know it's like the, 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 those two things are still synonymous over 40 years later. Yeah, you know, it's it's iconic. And a lot of times the iconic things don't win the awards because you're not, you're not uh, necessarily awarding things for, you know, what becomes iconic. You're like, you're, you're focused on what is the best thing at this time. And it's you can't predict, you know, the everlasting part of it. Uh, there are, uh, I think, the Ringer does this thing where they look back at Oscars like five years later and see if they got it right or got it wrong. Like that's an interesting way to think about it because if you do do that, if you look back and reflect, then it does probably become the the right winner, you know. But it didn't at that time, and and that's just how these award things work. Is you only have the 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 one year to study these things and and uh, what is the best at that moment. So um, I think just to, to, to finish up on that, it's like, you know, they had, I think, 25 grand to make this soundtrack. And, you know, they had other people in mind to do it initially. Um, they didn't have much time. They didn't have much budget. Bill Conti was the guy who stepped in and, and did it. Can you imagine how many times uh, that investment has returned itself uh, over oh the e- years and like i've heard bill conti say that you know when they were recording gun fly now you know he was producing it for an audio tr- tr- track to release and people were like what are you doing with that and he's like so i can release the album and people were laughing at him at the time <laughs> that's that's hilarious i actually have a tidbit about this so um now some of this stuff that we're that you know that that we are reading as like internet research or internet facts, some of it you have to take as a grain of salt because it's obviously things that happened a long time ago, and you know some of the things that get published you you don't know it to be one hundred percent truth, but there's probably some truth to it. Um, supposedly, Talia Shire's husband 
was going to be the composer, but he had another movie to do or he had to take a different job. And that's how uh, Conti got the got the role. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I did hear that as well. Yes. All right. So more facts. Uh, this one is is probably pretty well known. But Kiss was actually Stallone's dog for real. Uh, okay, I, I, I don't know if this is where you're going with this, but initially I've heard that he in that running up the steps scene, he was meant, meant to to show like how strong he'd gotten. He was meant to carry Butkus up the steps <laughs> while he was running, and because Sly was so beat up from all the training carrying this like you've seen that, that dog it's enormous like trying to carry this like he tried to do it once it's like no nah, this this just isn't happening this is carrying this ginormous dog off the steps it's just not gonna work that's so hilarious they had, to, they had to shelf that one i i've never heard that before that's hilarious um okay so uh first choice for adrian's character was a woman an actress by the name of carrie snodgrass and stallone says I badly wanted her because at the time I wanted Adrian's family to be Irish and Harvey Keitel would be the brother. She said there wasn't enough money in it. And so I said, I'll give you my share. I truly want you. Now, this is obviously Stallone. He sometimes he tells tall tales, but this is his quote. She passed on the movie to do a part in Buffalo Bill and the Indians, which actually never happened so carrie snodgrass uh did not uh did not get to be in rocky and then didn't get to be in the movie that she supposedly passed on rocky to do um i'd also heard as other options on that susan sarandon uh that they and they just thought she was a bit too glamorous for the role and Cher. Cher would have been interesting geez and uh like but just like on the Talia Shire one it's just like it feels like you know looking back at it now she must have been the marquee name selling this film because like she was just coming off the Godfather run which you know you know Stallone didn't really have any credits and you know I think yeah like that's kind of also part of why I kind of appreciated the Adrian character watching this back is just like she would have brought a lot of name recognition to this and also I like I think she shaped that character a lot in that like they said like they said uh, to her go out and you know what would adrian look like go out and buy her wardrobe and you know she went out and bought the costumes and things like that so yeah, that, yeah. i think th- i think that adrian character is entirely reliant on it being talia shire and you know it's one they looked in on yeah she i mean she had lots of freedom to do what she wanted and i think the fact that Adrian was shy, was uh, a little closer to Talia's uh, real life personality. So I think she felt really at home in that character as well. Uh, so in the original script that Rocky had had written, I believe Mickey was racist and Rocky was going to throw the fight, which is weird if you think about it, because why would the underdog who has clearly no shot at winning throw the fight so this this the movie must have been set a little bit differently but uh that's it those are some interesting tidbits I, like the movie mm-hmm. is absolutely does not work with a racist mickey no um my understanding is that like just it was going to be a very different movie in that like you know what was in vogue at that time was very dark grimy films and i think the rocky character himself was going to be a lot less um admirable um and i think 
you know, the idea of that close scene of him throwing the fight was just that he thought boxing was a dirty business and he didn't want to be involved in it anymore. Right, right. I think that that's where they were go- going with. So I think it would have been a really, really different story had they went that direction. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, I don't know if I, th- this one is an interesting one to me because I only found out about this like when I started researching these films uh, two years ago. There was supposedly, and I think this was even shot, um, Rocky and Apollo, I believe were going to do some, maybe they were going to do a press conference or they were going to do some TV shot at Mickey's gym. And Dipper was supposed to get involved in that. And then at some point, Rocky knocks out Dipper in, in in the scene to kind of get a little bit of vengeance for for Dipper stealing his locker. That scene doesn't really fit, but I've actually seen photos uh, of this scene happening, and it really blew my mind when I when I saw those photos. It, I, I, I don't think it fits either, but it also it, it, there is also kind of a weird open loop with that Dipper storyline. Like, it doesn't really go anywhere. No, not at all. It's, so, yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, new hot prospect. Your old, your old news. Like that's just what it. That's just what it's there for, I guess. But yeah, I, I wonder if there was. I mean, it does sound like there was supposed to be more, but it just didn't really fit with, uh, you know, Rocky as a character because I think the idea was that he was going to sucker punch him. Like he, like he, he was going to bow at his feet, and then Dipper was going to be like, yeah, you, you don't want to fight me, and then he was going to sucker punch him and like knock him out. I actually hadn't ever heard that, but like it, you know, as I said, it just it just seems like you know, it feels like something was left on the cutting room floor as far as where that storyline was going. And you already mentioned the the scene that uh, it was originally shot for the ending didn't happen, so they had to shoot the the last scene of them in the ring together and of Rocky screaming for Adrian. But because it was a last minute addition to the movie. They didn't have a lot of people in the crowd like they had in the uh, the other shots from from the boxing or from the fight. And so they had to do the trick where every time you angled the camera, you had to bring the people that were in the scene to the next side of the ring so that it looked like the building was full. That's a nice little uh, nice little trick there to shoot that last scene. And they did 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 an awesome job on it because it looks looks tremendous, tremendous on film. So I thought, always thought this was an interesting thing. So the opening boxing scenes, like the, the first scene of uh, the movie is in the fight with Spider Rico. And there's a shot that looks like it's from like a church. And so um, so this is uh, set. This is actually interesting because I don't know whether to believe this or not, because we know that, you know, shooting and, and everything was um, what was was expensive. But it says that that building is actually in L.A., so East L.A., at the old Resurrection Gym, where Oscar de la Hoya also trained as a kid in the early 80s. It first opened in 1924 as a church, eventually ditching its pews and morphing into a boxing gym. And then in the mid-90s, it was purchased and renovated by De La Hoya, who made it into a youth center. That that one was always like a weird thing to me because I don't know whether to believe it or not. But um, that I found that kind of uh, I may have been on on the uh, Total Rocky site, which has been a great resource, by the way. 
Yeah, I, I I had not heard that, but yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a strange building. Like just it, just seeing the image, uh, like that you that you that you're talking about, where like you know it looks like you're in a church and they're they're having this boxing match. Like that always stuck out of me as just a little bit strange. And yeah, I I kind of always kind of wondered what the, what the story was behind that. So in the scene where uh, Adrian is very shy and Rocky is trying to. Uh, get her to sit on the couch with him. The funny part about that couch is uh, it's such a beat up couch and there's like tons of newspaper on the couch. And Rocky kind of like is like, oh, do you want to come sit on the couch? He doesn't move the newspaper from the couch. I always wondered if the newspaper was there because maybe the couch was like ripped open or something. Um, but I it, think I think I think I've heard Sloane say as much in an interview that like the idea was that you know he was covering up how trashed the couch. Was. <laughs> That's awesome. But in that scene, um, it wasn't originally scripted for Talia Shire to play so shy and to be so hesitant to kiss Rocky, but she was supposedly sick. So she didn't really want to like, they didn't really want to make the kiss too big of a deal so that Stallone doesn't get sick. Um, But Sly did actually get sick from Talia uh, from that scene. And so then he goes and has to shoot the training Training scenes with, with a fever and he's sick shooting those training scenes. So crazy. Yeah, that 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 couldn't have been any fun at all. Oh my gosh! So um, the last piece of uh, information that I have, and and then you can add any if you have more. Basically, uh, he he said that he has. So this is after he's done with Rocky and he's being interviewed. I, I believe this is in a, in a newspaper interview from '76, maybe the New York Times. So he says he has a trilogy in mind for Rocky in part two. Rocky would go to night school and enter politics and eventually become the mayor of Philadelphia. And then in part three, he would be framed by the political machine because he was too honest, impeached, and wind up back in the ring at 37, broken down, but happy. Imagine if, like, imagine if that was the turn for the Rocky series. I don't think uh, Rocky Two really, uh, really gets off. Uh, doesn't really make too much money with that with that uh, story. Yeah, that's that's weird. I'd never heard that, and I I wonder like how far those ideas came along. Did he start drafting them, or you know, was it something that like you know? Sly was like, oh, yeah, that, that's that's a great idea. And then, like, you know, he ran a bice of advice. Or just, yeah, <laughs> not such a, not, not I, such a great idea. Well, I mean, but, but the, it actually, the, it, it actually the idea, just, right, is there, there's like no boxing in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually just kind of maybe think of something else, which I wanted to ask you, is like, like two things. Is one, the fact that, like, you know, they did go with Rocky losing this fight. How important do you think that was? Uh, to, 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 to you know, to just to the pacing of this series, and the the other one is um um do you think like the the reason for them doing what they did was so they could come back for the rematch? You know, do you think that was always? The plan is like we need to leave a door open for a sequel. Where do we go if Rocky at movie one is already champion of the world? Well, I don't remember what sequel culture was like back then. Like, I can't, I don't think this was the first, you know, obviously we talked about Star Wars. They came out right around the same time. 
but I don't remember, you know, Godfather had a sequel. Um, what other movies had sequels back then? Like my feeling is that they lucked out in the way that they did it because it's not, it's not believable. It's really not believable if he wins and it doesn't really make his journey, uh, make as much sense or, or mean as much if he wins. And also it kind of closes the book on the sequel. Like, you know, like, I think that's where you're, you're going with is if they, if he wins, you, there's no reason to come back to the character because yeah, the, he, yeah, the, he won. The, 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 that's it, because like, like you know, they're left unfinished business. And I also just think, just in terms of pacing, like as you mentioned, uh, like it wouldn't have been believable. But like, if you have that little bit of a gap, or like he goes from journeyman to proving that he belongs into the ring to becoming champion, I think that's one story arc. If you just go from journeyman to champion, I think, you know, that's a little bit accelerated. Yeah, I mean, the 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 only way you come back is if you have to bring him back. And then sort of Rocky three, which is the the peak and then the downfall, the downfall so far, you would have to do that in the second film so that there's something else for him to to build up to. But yeah, no, I mean, it worked perfectly the way that they did it. And I just assumed that, you know, I've always thought that that was the way the movie needed to be done. And it just also at the same time created an opportunity for them to come back if it was successful. So it was, it was just really, really good storytelling in that sense. Um, did you have any facts that you wanted to, to mention? There's one other one that I'd heard Sloan mention before. And I wanted to get your thoughts because you mentioned another, another kind of take on Pauly's character. I had heard Stallone say at one point that like Paulie didn't exist in this film and instead Adrian was going to have a mother that lived with him rather than a brother. Oh, that's had interesting. You heard that, had you heard that? And, uh, yeah, you know, um, gosh, it, I, I, I did a, most of this research, uh, like I said, a couple of years ago, and I've found some of the articles that I had read. But I, I didn't find all of them, so I can't remember. That sounds familiar, but yeah, I don't really remember. Uh, I mean, you know, that might not have been... I don't know how it would have been for sequels, because that mother probably has to die off at some point. But um, for for a single film, I think that could have worked as well. Maybe not as well as Polly, but it, it doesn't sound that it was necessarily a bad idea. And I suppose, yeah, the other one I mentioned just at the top of the show is that, like... Uh, Ken Norton was originally kind of looked at as being Apollo. They wanted to use a, a real fighter. Yeah, and you know, uh, Carl Weathers definitely looked the part, but also he's a real actor. Carl Weathers still looks the part. He, he, he absolutely he, does he, still look the part. He's a development Mandalorian and still, <laughs> he still looks like he could go a few rounds. Absolutely. He, uh, but, you know, you, you can, I'm sure the idea was, and you see this in a lot of sports films, you could teach him to play the boxing stuff well enough. And he's a, he's an athlete. He's a football player. So he could, he could do, he could do be as good as you could be to train someone to look like a boxer. He's a better, he's a way better athlete than, than Stallone is. And then he was also a real actor. He was a, you know, he, he studied acting and he was a, he was a real thing. So you, it was easier to teach someone to box than it would have been to teach Ken Norton how to act. I'm sure. Actually one last one in inspirations for Mickey. Um, you know, the one that it's usually, tied to is Marciano's trainer, Charlie Goldman. Um, as we get on in the series, I think, you know, some of his dialogue 
seems to for me to come from Angelo Dundee, maybe uh, Freddie Brown and Ray Arthel. Uh, well, in, any, in Rocky any, Five, it comes directly from Customato, like literally and word Customato as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all, like I think you know some of his characteristics were taken from all of those. And we talked about Sly being, you know, a student of the game and everything like that. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, what, 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 where, where you thought like um, that that inspiration came from. Yeah, I never thought about it in that way, but like you said. Stallone is going to make sure that because he knows that uh, that it has to play to uh, to boxing fans as well, that it's going to be it's not going to be fake dialogue. And so, you know, that 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 is that that is a really smart thing. And he you know, he's he's done interviews going all the way back to the late 70s where he's like, look, I have to write this dialogue for these characters in the way that best fits the way that they speak, even their their real life uh, speaking, and and so it has to be comfortable dialogue because I want them to really feel like this character. And he he went to certain depths to to write for these characters. So the fact that you know, obviously Burgess has got to deliver it, but he wanted to make it uh, as real as possible. So that makes complete sense to me. All right, so let's the uh, last category here. We, uh, as we wrap this up, uh, I just have a few pet peeves. I want to get your thoughts on the ones and I'll name them quickly. And then if you have any pet peeves, pet peeve number one, I feel like the dialogue is really hard to hear at some points. And I've had to actually rewind scenes and go back to them to, to figure out what they were actually saying. Like when I was a kid, and this may simply be the, the version of the video cassette tape that I had. At the end of the fight, when Apollo's like, ain't going to be no rematch, ain't going to be no rematch, I could never hear what Stallone said. I, it didn't sound like don't want one to me. It always sounded like just a mumble, like, rah, rah, rah. like I never could hear it. And so, uh, you know, the, the dialogue in, in general can be hard to hear in some cases. Uh, and and yeah, it could be simply because of production. Like we talked about, the budget was, was, uh, was short for this movie. Um, the other, the other in, one. In in in, in 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 preparing for this, I watched uh, the Blu-ray remaster of it, and the audio levels are pretty good good on that. Yeah. But I do know what you're what you're talking about. There's also the other one is when he's talking to Adrian, like when Adrian joins him in the ring. Uh, I think he asked her where her hat is or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I not hear that I cannot, at all. I've never been able to hear that. Never in every in any version of this movie I've watched, I could never hear that. Um, okay, so uh, second pet peeve for me. Um, from the cut me Mick line where he is uh, he can't see and they open him up to the fine to the bell in the 15th round, it, there's there's like 45 seconds of time. Like to play to try and pretend that that was a three minute round was really ridiculous. <laughs> like that's always bothered me. I'm like, give my guy another 30 seconds at least before you tell me that's the end of the 15th round. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree. That does feel like a short round. Um, and just on that 15th round as well, I wondered if you thought, um, you know, this movie was released in the tail end of 1976. Obviously, um, the in Manila was 75. Do you think 
there was some inspiration for that 15 round like you know the, where they're in the corner where they're both tell, the both the fighters are telling them like don't stop this fight Do you oh think yeah that's where, that, that's where that came absolutely absolutely has to be i mean it's, and it's great right because it's not just rocky it's apollo and you're like like when i was watching this as a kid i was like why would apollo think that his corner would stop this fight like he is looks like he's winning for one but like why would you stop you know he's the champion like why would you stop it and it goes back to duke has to protect his guy and even the heavyweight champion of the world doesn't need to take so much punishment that it's going to affect the rest of his career which you know in the rocky universe it actually does uh, but yeah that's that's a just great great that's a great part of the movie Okay, so the last thing, the last pet peeve for me is um, I think I, I mentioned it already about he's screaming for Adrian. Now, I buy the fact that he's in love with this woman. He did what he wanted to do, which was go the distance. So in a sense, he won. Could my guy care about the decision a little bit? Just just, a, just like maybe peek his head out to hear it, like just for a half of a second because that has always frustrated me as a fan of this movie where he just does not care one bit because I don't think that's very realistic. Now, it works in the movie, absolutely works, but I've always like wanted him just to care the tiniest bit. Um, this will be this is we'll come back to this um, at Rocky Balboa. It gets paralleled in that that movie. Absolutely, it does, and and that's that you know that that's a that's a nice that was a, a nice cap. Um, though they shot two endings for that movie, which if you have the Blu-ray, you can actually see both endings for that movie. Um, okay, so uh, did you have any pet peeves that I didn't mention that you that you have just been in your craw for all these years? <laughs> no, I, I, I hadn't really thought th- thought of many of them. Um, I guess, like you know. You know, if there, if there were kind of some frustrations or kind of same things that you had about like kind of just the the the, the actual boxing element of it, but overall, like I think you know the depiction is really good, and you know, I think just because all the characters do their job so well, um, there's just an authenticity to 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 it. So. The one other pet peeve, maybe, but this has been like a thing about Rocky movies in general, is in in boxing today, if you touch your glove to the mat, that counts as a knockdown. Rocky, yeah, I didn't think about this, and I know what you're going to say here. At the end of the first round. Yes. This okay, is a I, constant. I, 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 I still don't know at this point. Was there was that score? Was that actually a knock? Does that count as a knockdown? In is it considered in the film to to have been a knockdown or not? Well, the referee doesn't separate them. Um, but it's know, the, the, end end of, the, the end of the round. But this happens in Rocky Four. He gets dropped to his glove a cup uh, at least once. Um, it happens in Creed Two, I believe, where Adonis's glove touches. So this is kind of a theme, and I, and I just always wondered, like, back then, uh, I would assume that the rules have, have been the same, but it's it's been kind of a trope that they've used to show that he got tagged, but he 
did not fully go down. And I just always thought that, no, that's a knockdown in real boxing. What are you guys doing? Yeah, and it's interesting you note that, like, you know, the movies that happened in are ones that uh, didn't have real boxers in them. Yeah, true. Which true. maybe, maybe you know, maybe that would, in, in like that that would have they would have tried that in another film, and you know, the boxer went, "No, you can't really do that." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, last thing here, and we will do this for every one of the movies, which is who is the MVP, and. You know, I think this one is is probably pretty. We're probably going to agree uh, on Stallone because it is his film. It is his baby. He wrote it. He he fought so hard for it. He he, uh, you know, probably the greatest acting of his career. Though Creed one, he does a great job too. Uh, but there are so many strong performances that he may just be that slice ahead. But Burgess Meredith. Burt Young, Talia Shire, we've mentioned all these, even, you know, Carl Weathers, um, great performances. But if, but if you look at this film and why it, it it's everlasting, it's probably sly. And, and I would be comfortable with saying that, you know, this was his movie and you may, you know, you may disagree, we may disagree on some of the next ones, but I'd be interested in, in, and if you disagreed with him on this one. Uh, for me, like, I I was a hundred percent on board with with your choice here, be just because I think if I asked you the question, if there was anybody else, and we talked about all the other guys who were you know put forward for that role, Burt Reynolds and Orin O'Neill and all these people, if there was anybody else who starred in this other than uh, Sylvester Stallone, would this film have become what it became? Would it still still be like revered, you know, forty plus years on? Would it have led to like seven sequels? I don't think it would have. I you know I think he's the heart and soul of this film, and you know I think there's so much of him in it. Um, but that's not to say there like all those characters. I think they like you know I think both um, Carl Weathers and Talia Shar. We we talked about how they were you know not the first choices. Um, the both came into into the project later, and I think you know they were really lucky with how they landed with both of them because you know I couldn't imagine either of those roles being another person. Um, you know, Mickey's another one. He he actually um, uh, wasn't uh, Burgess Meredith wasn't the, the the first choice for that role. Um, um, it was meant to be an actor from On the Waterfront. Hmm. I, I, I didn't see that one. And essentially he was asked to audition for the role and he didn't want, he said like, I don't know the audition. Oh, wow. Uh, what, what, uh, a, like what, a, he, what a move. <laughs> and Burgess Meredith agree, agreed to audition and he smashed it. Like I think they did, they did the scene where, you know, Rocky and him are talking in the gym. And I think, you know, he improvised that line of, uh, have you ever thought of retiring? Uh, maybe you should, or whatever he said. You know, he improvised that line, and there was like, "This guy's in." Yeah, uh, that's so yeah, awesome. that's a, that's a, that's another one they they looked into, and you know, and then yeah, Bert Young as Paulie does does like a tremendous job as well, because that's a kind of a difficult character to play in that, like, it's um. In a lot of ways, it's a very unlikable. Like he's got a lot of very unlikable characteristics, but you end up rooting for him. 
yeah. in, in the end anyway. So and that's not an easy one to play. And also I think, you know, he's very important in kind of showing the line Rocky's walking. Like, you know, that's the guy Rocky could end up being, you know, where he's kind of embittered and, you know, he's missed his chance. You know, Paulie's the reflection of that in this, in this film. So, you know, I think he's very important as well. So like, and then again, I, I talked about it already, but Phil, Phil Conti on the music, like all of those aspects, you know, it, it feels like there's just a series of happy mistakes that like, you know, landed this cast together and made it what it was. But as I said, you know, without Sylvester Stallone, we, we, we never get to where we are today. Absolutely. All right. So that is the end of the first episode of our Rocky podcast, Going the Distance. I want to thank Duin for uh, doing this, and we will be back for eight more episodes of this. So, uh, you, if you if you were around when we did uh, the Fabulous Four, you know that there was quite a break in between. We will not have the crazy break that we did. Uh, we will we will we will get these up uh, as soon as we can. So, uh, for Duin, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.